you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes along with with food as well. Like you you mentioned, it's you know, it's culture, it's it's tradition, it's connection, it's how we show love to the people that we care about, and we nourish each other uh, with food, and we use it to celebrate. So it's really tricky, I think, internally to tease out like, am I? Is there a physiological reason for me wanting to eat right now? Is it because there's a a party and you're supposed to eat at a party or I smell something really delicious and I just want to have some, even though I'm not hungry right now. Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Am I bored? Like there are so many internal cues that we're always getting. And so it can be really tricky to tease that out. And so I think that's also part of why we, we look externally for answers um, because we haven't been taught to really tease out those internal cues. Today's conversation with one of our amazing nutritionists here at CIH, Holly Zink, is all about intuitive eating and how it can be used as a powerful tool to eat in alignment with your body's true needs. Holly is one of her own functional nutritionists who works with her patients by prioritizing a healthy relationship with food while also using nutrition as a therapeutic tool. This is using food as nourishment rather than punishment. I am Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health. This podcast is dedicated to changing the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding and digging deep into the root causes of both disease and wellness. This conversation with Holly today, I really enjoyed, and it's for anyone who feels disconnected from their body cues and wants to learn how intuitive eating can be used to better understand what their body needs to feel its absolute best. Welcome, Holly, to the podcast again for round two here. Hi, thanks for having me again. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We're so glad that you're here. And as as I think some of our listeners may know, you're one of our amazing integrative and functional nutritionists here at CIH. But even before you started practice here, you um, have kind of researched and done a lot of work with intuitive eating, which is our topic today. And I was just talking with you uh, offline about what does that kind of mean? Because I don't know too much about that. I was talking about about pizza, since that's a comfort food that I think a lot of people enjoy. But let's just talk first real basic about what what is intuitive eating? How, how you kind of first in your journey came to, to use that both maybe for yourself and for your patients? Yeah, um, well, just uh, kind of to your, your point about pizza, it doesn't take comfort food off the table. So just to, to be uh, kind of clear on that, um, it's actually a, a framework uh, It was developed by some uh, registered dietitians, uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. Um, but it, what it does really is it, it kind of empowers you to listen to your body's cues, your internal signals, whether it's your instinct or emotion, and kind of logically tease it out so that you can start to build a healthy relationship with food and, and with your body. Um, it also really encourages you to kind of put up a boundary um, between those internal cues and the external cues that we, we get in, about diet and our you know, the size of our body and what we should or shouldn't eat. Um, and, and it's really important because we know that, you know, the vast majority of diets tend to fail. Um, they might be short-term, very effective, but long-term people tend to, if their you know, goal is to lose weight, they tend to gain the weight back. Um, we know some of the, the kind of um, markers of health, like the BMI has limitations in terms of its utility, if it's used kind of um, in a standalone, uh, you know, in isolation from, you know, the bigger picture and all the other kind of markers we can look at. Um, and, and what happens when, when we're using like 
very restrictive diets and, and kind of numbers like the, the number on the scale, um, it starts to create stigma and restriction um, because those are kind of oversimplified markers of health. Um, and it starts to assign a moral value to food. So like vegetables are good, ice cream is bad. Um, and then we get, we kind of assign moral value to ourselves when we eat the vegetables or the ice cream. So I was good today because I had a salad or I was bad because I ate ice cream. So it kind of helps take that kind of um, that, that away from, from eating and really um, helps to, again, kind of put the power back in the individual's hands. Um, and it's really, this framework is based on 10 principles um, to help you kind of achieve, achieve that. So they include things like rejecting diet mentality, um, honoring your hunger and your fullness, which sounds really simple, but it's pretty, pretty complicated because we've really been taught to tune out uh, from and really disconnect from our body's uh, signals and really listen to what, what everyone else out there in the world is telling us. Um, and really finding satisfaction in what you're eating, which I think a lot of times when we're dieting, we don't, we don't feel satisfied. We don't uh, enjoy the foods. Um, but it also, you know, it, it, it really encourages feeling kindness towards your emotions, honoring your body by using gentle movement and gentle nutrition. So it, it kind of brings in a lot of psychology around, around why you're eating and you know, why you're choosing what you choose. Um, and, and, um, it, it gives you this unconditional permission to eat if you're hungry and, and to eat what food you really want. And, but it, it with kind of the, the education about nutrition and how it's going to fuel your body. So it's not really a free for all, which it sounds like when you hear like unconditional permission to eat whenever you're hungry, whatever you want. Um, it's a lot more nuanced than that. But um, again, like I said, I think the really uh, important part of it is that it's putting the power back in the hands of the individual. It gives you a responsibility really to, to do a lot of work and digging. Um, but I, I think that's what I try to do in practice in general is really kind of empower people versus having people come say, tell, just tell me what to eat. Tell me how much and what time of day, um, because I can't really, I can't tell you exactly what's right for you. Um, and so I think it's a really important part of healing and, and healing your relationship with food. Um, and, uh, you know, I think to the other part of your question was, you know, how I started working with it. So I did have a private practice where I worked with families <clears throat> in the past um, and working with children and pre-adolescents and teens, you know, developmentally, they have a very like black and white thinking. It's really hard to get that nuance across. So when I would be saying things like, you know, this vegetable is going to be great for your eyesight or your heart health or whatever, they would think that's all they could eat. And like I had some children going to a birthday party and instead of having the food at the party, they asked mom for celery, celery sticks. And I, I just, it kind of clicked that, you know, I was trying to be gentle, but it wasn't really working. And so I needed a different strategy to, to approach it. Um, and so I found this, you know, <clears throat> this plus some, you know, a big part of it is mindfulness. You may have heard of mindful eating. It kind of uh, it, it kind of permeates through all of intuitive eating, I think. Um, but I think those tools and like having kids really kind of tap into that, they, they like to be curious. They like to like think about why, you know, why they think a certain way, why somebody's told them something and what do they really think? They like to be given that autonomy and that respect that they have some intuition. Um, and so I found it to be really powerful in working with children. Um, 
that that was an amazing answer. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like now I can go into sub questions based on that answer for the rest of this podcast here. <laughs> um, and and it was interesting because intuitively, since I'm going to use that pun, <laughs> I felt like let me just let Holly talk about this because it sounds like you're you're you know a fountain of knowledge on this, and you have a lot of personal and professional experience with this. There is that, uh, I guess, like you said, the groundwork of intuitive eating is is mindfulness. It's really being in touch with your body and how that food is, you know, coming into someone's into your mouth and, you know, the smells and the and the feeling, you know, connected to the earth, you know, when you're eating and things connected to the people you might be eating with and maybe even connecting to, like you said, the reasons for why you're even eating that food, you're nourishing yourself to begin with, rather than being on an externally, you know, um, mandated diet or something, whether that external mm -hmm. force is society or some message or a nutritionist that's giving someone a diet, right? So, so let's, let's kind of dive in a little bit more into the, into the aspect of, which I, I feel like is a super key point is the internal factors that are involved in someone's ability to empower themselves to feel, you know, nourished and to nourish themselves versus the external factors that we might think of in terms of we go to see a nutritionist. And it's like, Hey, Holly, can you put me on a diet? What, what should I be on today? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think number one is, and it's, I think I already kind of touched on this a little bit. It's just like recognizing when you're hungry and when you're full um, and <clears throat> not feeling guilty because you're hungry and not feeling like that's a, a bad thing, <clears throat> um, but our hunger and really tapping into that and kind of what level of hunger. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes along with, with food as well. Like you, you mentioned it's, you know, it's culture, it's, it's tradition, it's connection It's how we show love to the people that we care about and we nourish each other uh, with food and we use it to celebrate. So it's really tricky, I think, internally to tease out like, am I, is there a physiological reason for me wanting to eat right now? Is it because there's a, a party and you're supposed to eat at a party or I smell something really delicious and I just wanna have some, even though I'm not hungry right now? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Am I bored? Like there are so many internal cues that we're always getting and so, it can be really tricky to tease that out. And so I think that's also part of why we, we look externally for answers um, because we haven't been taught to really tease out those internal cues. Um, and we've been taught to look for this very objective, like here's a number, have this much protein, have this many calories, do this much exercise to burn it off. And it makes it simplified, but it, it, and, because we're not so simple and we, we have these emotions mixed with instinct, mixed with physiological symptoms or signs um, of what we, what we really need. Um, it, they just kind of, they don't, they don't mesh. So, you know, externally, we're hearing things from our parents uh, as a starter, from doctors, from nutritionists about what we should or shouldn't be doing. And I think a lot of times it's, um, there's not enough time spent in explaining, uh, you know, exactly how nutrition is supportive for your health um, and what choices might be the best for you in, in what moments. Um, and, and I think because there's not as much, you know, time spent in like a, a professional like setting, um, it again becomes oversimplified and people just think they have to restrict. Um, but teachers are telling kids all the time what, what is good versus what is bad. Um, 
parents are telling kids, finish your, finish your dinner there, you know, you have to clean your plate or no dessert until you have eaten all your vegetables, or we're not having snacks because we don't want to overeat. And, you know, I, I think it's all in general, it's not that there's any ill intent, um, but I think we're missing the mark when it comes to how we talk to talk to each other and ourselves about about food and our bodies. I remember Holly when I was in grade school and I was sitting at a table and we had servers and waiters and it, it was like this whole thing where we had to taste um each food, you know. And I just remember um smelling these peas, like you know, there's like frozen peas or whatever, and they were boiled and they they smelled really gross to me. And and I just remember um, very vividly as a kid, you know, intuitively, I was like, these, I don't want to eat these peas. But I, I had to, right? Because that was the rule. And I threw them up. I, I literally vomited. And that that's something that even to this day, it's like almost one of those things where, you know, that intuition wasn't listened to. So, you know, now I'm kind of like, I can see where this kind of it is a very powerful medicine to really use your intuition. The body knows, you know, in a way, even as a kid, it's like, oh, well, I'm a kid. So what do I know? I'm supposed to follow the rules, but, but my body knew and I, I yeah. didn't or couldn't listen to my body at that time. Um, but that, that kind of thing I think happens uh, whether externally through a rule or, or through sort of this, driven by some expectation for yeah we should eat xyz like you said there's a moral judgment to this you know i think in that situation it was more like don't waste the food try it you know but mm -hmm. um uh, <laughs> another funny story if i don't know how funny it is but um you know there was this really disgusting potato salad um you know that that the school had served and it's like you know, it's like one of those bright yellow, you know, like yellow number five, mm. you know, probably like one of those things like it's too yellow to be actual like, you know, food. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, OK, I probably don't want to eat that. And, and I just remember um, one of my classmates asking me at the time, like, would you eat this potato salad for a million dollars, you know, and and stuff? Um <laughs> And and basically, I was like, no, because my intuition is telling me it's bad for me. And I feel like that's probably my first uh foray into integrative health it's like i'm not gonna listen yeah. to you know what the conventional mindset of yeah i'm just gonna you know make a million dollars from my my friend who doesn't have that money prize a dollar right um <laughs> and, and you know to to eat something that my body is telling me that is not good for me so um so it sounds like there's internal and external forces at play what do you think about sort of medically let's say someone has a health condition is it okay for them to be prescribed a, a diet you know in, in those situations or where do you see the role of of like you know elimination diet or nutrition plans versus intuitive eating or are there maybe different seasons for different different approaches uh yeah absolutely i i you know here we use a lot of therapeutic diets in our practice and I do too. Um, I think feeling out the individual and figuring out whether what their relationship with food is a little bit before you start to impose restrictions is important. Um, and really explaining to them that it's really a lot of times with an elimination diet, for example, there's not a clear allergy. Um, so that's a, a case where, you know, you really do need to restrict and avoid certain foods, but with an elimination diet, a lot of times it's, um, I kind of try to frame it more as like, let's get some information 
uh, about how your body's responding to different foods. It's not intended that you're going to have to be restricted forever and make it really clear and continue working with them on that. Um, when it comes to different conditions, like if you're talking about like di diabetes, for example, you know, I think these, it, they can be really powerful. They can, you know, therapeutic diets can be medicine for sure. Um, but it, I think always tapping into um, the, the, uh, you know, the idea of like, this, you know, making the choice in the moment, being mindful, taking a pause really before you start to eat. Cause I think a lot of it is teasing out those habits and why those habits are there in the first place. So I think it's, it's a lot of digging emotionally, I think for a lot of people, especially when it comes to like a, a condition like diabetes, where you have to, you know, reduce sugar and, and kind of have this really balanced meal at certain times of day to help kind of get your metabolism back on track, um, that can feel really, really hard for a lot of people. So sometimes it's a matter of taking it slowly um, and kind of pairing with like, well, what is this emotion? Where is it coming from? What, what have you been, you know, what have been the external cues that you've been hearing about eating in the past? Why are you thinking that you're bad when you don't eat a a real balanced meal um, and just give up. Like it, it, there's a lot of ways that it can be applied and it isn't, there isn't like a, you know, I mentioned there are 10 principles. There isn't a specific route that you have to take to work through those 10 principles. And really you can take one that feels like it's most appropriate for somebody in that moment and apply it and work through it. Um, and I think I've, you know, it kind of, it's a good timing where two days out, we're recording two days out from Thanksgiving. Um, and there are a lot of people with these, you know, that we've talked about the way that these different um, bringing foods in in abundance that can be really nourishing for them, really support blood sugar or nutrient deficiencies or whatever it may be. Um, I've had people really emotional going into Thanksgiving, not knowing how they're going to feel connected to their families while they're having to like have a separate meal and really uh, like kind of taking that pressure off and taking the stress off that, you know, in that moment, there's a lot of value in connecting with your family and the stress of not connecting with your family in that moment is really probably worse than just having a piece of pie with your turkey, right? And then come back to the habits you're building at the next meal. And that's where I think intuitive eating is really powerful because it takes a lot of the pressure off to be perfect. Um, and it allows you to tap into what's going to nourish you in that moment. And there's more than just the nutrients of food that will nourish you. Um, and I think that's an important, important piece of bringing intuitive eating together with those therapeutic diets. Yeah, that's great. I, I used to say, um, and I still, I, I feel, believe this, um, say this, is that the most important ingredient in any food is connection. You know, mm -hmm. it's connection Absolutely. with each other, or eating with someone, eating by yourself, connection with yourself, you know, connection with the breath, with the gratitude for the food. Like, where did it come from? Who made the food? You know, or was it planted or, you know, all these things. And this connection is really grounding us in a way. Um, so that it, it, op it opens up that, you know, uh, door to to intuition, which is really one of our most powerful allies, I would say, in navigating this world of, you know, especially with Google and, you know, any <laughs> search of like any nutrition guru out there, you know, doctor, nutritionist, um, you know, everyone's telling everyone what to eat, like you said, 
And and I, I think just going back to, you know, our own bodies and the wisdom of that intuition, it sounds like is the way to go. So let's say someone's going for a holiday, you know, dinner or something like that, or, or we're just going out to eat or, you know, just at the grocery store, even maybe in the, in the, in the, at the giant or something, what, where do you, where does someone start with intuitive eating? Where are some practical steps to kind of start with it? Um, yeah, well, so in terms of getting started, I think, you know, we, we touched on mindfulness in, in the beginning. I think that is a, a huge part of it is slowing down and being curious and, and taking a pause, taking a deep breath, even, and just calming your nervous system for a second and really trying to be curious about what your body's telling you. Um, you know, in, in terms of making like food choices, certainly you can get guidance from a nutritionist or, you know, dietitian about like what foods will be really nourishing and then start to just take it a step at a time. Um, I, I kind of see intuitive eating as a long-term lifelong experiment really, um, because your needs are going to change over time for one thing. Um, and, and you're, we're always shifting and changing and growing. So the way that your body's talking to you and how you're tapped into that is going to change over time too. Um, and so it kind of depends on where the person is. I think I, I'm struggling to find a good single starting point in terms of intuitive eating, but I think that mindfulness is key. Um, like tuning in about why am I making this choice right now? If you're in the grocery store, you know, maybe it's just that you aren't used to shopping that outer perimeter of the store. You're not as familiar with the fruits and vegetables. So maybe taking a second to walk over there and just become, just look around. Even if you don't buy something like it's kind of similar to introducing new foods to kids, just seeing it and be at the more it becomes familiar, the easier it's going to be to make those choices. Um, and I think not feeling overwhelmed, like you have to do it all at one time um, is another important key to it. Um, and just taking one step at a time, making one change at a time, using one principle at a time. Um, and I, I think it, it seems pretty um, simple in when you're just saying it, but again, coming back to the idea of tuning into your hunger, your hunger cues, you know, we have so many different hunger cues and some people are so tuned out, they never feel hungry. They don't even realize when they're hungry. Um, so with that, just starting with making sure you're having a couple, like three solid meals a day on a schedule. And over time, as your body gets used to that, you're going to start to feel those hunger cues again, and then you can tap into it a little more easily. Um, but even there's a scale, like a hunger scale where you can kind of say, well, my, my stomach's a little grumbly or I feel a little empty. It's probably time to eat now or in the, or soon, um, versus like when you're starting to feel shaky or sweaty or fatigued where your blood sugar has dropped a little too low and your body's just screaming, I need energy. You've waited a little too long. So getting curious about that. And also on the other end of the spectrum, like when you're starting to get full throughout your meal. So again, with that, you have to be mindful. You have to slow down to really tap into that. And I think that is really the hardest part uh, when it comes to hunger is really kind of giving it the time and energy that it needs. But I think it's one of the first places to start because we are so out of touch with it. Yeah. And then of course at, at that level 10, it becomes uh, hangry, right? It's like from yes. hunger to hangry scale. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, like maybe less intuitive, more like in your face, like, oh, I got to eat that pizza right now because I'm so hangry mm -hmm. or something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's when you, that is, that's when you reach for those, 
really process simple carbs because it's quick energy. So it does, it does make it harder if you let your body get to that point. So really tuning into that can really help make changes where you have more time and energy to put into choosing what you want. So ironically, not necessarily focusing right away on the, the, the macro, you know, composition of, of foods or how many calories something is, or whether something is good or bad from a judgmental perspective, but actually being more intuitive about both the food and your body's relationship to the food might actually make that person more mindful, which would lead to better healthy choices. It sounds like it could, it could do that anyway. It can, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, when appropriate, I think it really depends on the the individual, the person who's really there in, in front of you when you're trying to kind of figure out what might be the, the best way to approach it. But I think for a lot of people, you know, it's actually imperative that they start with this piece before we talk about the what, um, yeah. really getting in touch with what those those internal cues are. And a little disclaimer here, we're not um, recommending an intuitive eating diet plan, right? Or something like that. Like you must be into it, you know, because sometimes people want to follow some program and that's fine too. It sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there are healthy ways to go about following a program. It really depends on the person. And I think that's, that's the thing about the intuitive eating is it, it's not even, it's not really even a diet plan. It's just a way of connecting with yourself and, and learning about yourself, but some people already feel comfortable there and they don't necessarily need to do a whole lot of work and digging um, on it. And they might feel, they might feel like just, I just need a little bit of guidance on like the macros. And then that helps me make sure I'm getting all the nutrients I need or something along those lines. So you're right. It's a, it's a personal uh, thing. And then, and then of course people with celiac disease should try to avoid gluten completely. Oh yes, you know, absolutely. That, that's there are a certain... little bit more black and white. Yeah, there are certain medical conditions, like a true allergy to peanuts or mm-hmm. celiac disease. You know, there are certainly places where it's really important to avoid specific foods. Um, but in the absence of that, it's, it's you know, it's not that those have to be off the table all the time. Um, but it, it can be nourishing to minimize certain foods as well. Um, so it's kind of teasing out where that falls for each person. I have a question about intuitive eating, about about sort of the hijacking of our taste buds and our intuition by the food industry. So one of the questions I have is, you know, if I'm craving a slice of pizza, is that my intuition or is that my food, uh, you know, I mean, the taste buds getting hijacked by industry, you know? That's actually a really a great question. And it can kind of comes to the idea of finding satisfaction in your food. Yeah. Um, because it is really satisfying the fat from the cheese, the the carbs from the the crust. Um, it's a really satisfying, satiating food, um, and so I think that's where you know, if you really want a piece of pizza, sometimes just having a piece of pizza, but also having like something else on the side, whether like I guess one of the simple things if you're ordering out is getting a side salad, right? Is going to help you feel more satisfied longer because you're getting fiber it's going to help slow down the absorption of the carbohydrates from the crust so it's going to give you a little bit of balance in that meal so that's another place where like you have the opportunity to make the choice um about 
about what you're eating in that moment. And you can choose the pizza and choose to have the salad, or you could just have the pizza and know I might be a little hungry later, or I'll come back to my habits at the next meal. Um, but if you choose not to have the pizza, but you really are craving it, that taste, like taste of the plays a role for sure in, in why we want to eat. Um, but you're craving that flavor or the texture of the pizza. If you're denying that, you're really going to rebel eventually against that restriction and overeat most likely. Yeah. Have a whole pizza versus a piece of pizza or yeah. try eating other things to and overeat other things because you're trying to avoid the pizza. So I think really, again, it's that idea of kind of you can have whatever you want in that moment, but you can also use the knowledge that you're gaining about your body, about how foods support your health um, to make a, a choice that's that's right for you. I think this kind of um, this is a good excuse to bring in some traditional Chinese medicine principles about how when you suppress your energy, whether that's like a desire to eat, whatever, um, you know, th there's some uh, consequence to that, you know, essentially, right, the energy gets blocked. So then it's going to find another channel to uh, exit or to essentially uh, flow in a different way. So I, I feel like that is kind of what you were saying there. If, if I wanted to just, you know, we want to talk about it from an energy flow pattern um, that, you know, the the spirit or, or you know, the, the person is kind of just saying, okay, I, I want to eat something. And then if, if not listening to, you know, body's desires or cues, that's going to result in some something down the road where they're going to overeat maybe in the next meal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great parallel. I like that, that connection. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do some acupuncture to everyone that, uh, to foster intuitive eating as well. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so I, it sounds like anyone could do intuitive eating and there's different practices, some key, you know, players like, like mindfulness, slowing down, chewing our food, um, listening to our bodies, listening to what we want, you know, in a way, and maybe even figuring out ways to balance that. And it doesn't sound like intuitive eating stops at the at the start of a meal, like making those food choices. It sounds like it's throughout the meal. Like, am I still hungry? Am I full? Or even after the meal, do I feel great after this meal? Do I feel bloated? You know, all these things. It sounds like intuition really spans the gamut of all the different, you know, pre, during, and post eating. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think um, you really, it, it can, that intuition about like how you're feeling from your food really can extend 24 hours a day, right? Like, am I sleeping well? Do I have energy that feels kind of sustained throughout the day? Um, and, and you can use it to make tweaks that can really help you feel better or, you know, you can kind of pay attention if certain foods make you not feel so great. So I think that that kind of tuning in is just such a, a vital part of it. Um, and recognizing yeah. the impact food does have on us. So let's go into a intuitive question now. That's what I'm feeling about. Um, your, what, do, what do you do for intuitive eating or how do you, in terms of your kind of personal um, nutrition habits, if, if you don't mind, just kind of, I, I think the audience would be curious. I'm kind of curious about that. How do you kind of incorporate this into your life with you and your family or, you know, whoever you're eating with, et cetera? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think... Well, when I, when I started using it, I think, um, I really needed it personally when I started using it in practice, I had just, you know, re relatively newly out of, out of school and getting my license. And, um, <clears throat> I think, you know, when, when you're going through school, there's a lot of 
data, objective information about nutrition. And again, coming back to that idea of black and white thinking, I was really starting to, I think, develop a little bit of like, I can't, I can't have the cake. Like orthorexia or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, it's really helped me find a balance. Um, And it's, it's most more recently, I think I've, I've kind of hit a little bit more of a stride with it where I feel more relaxed with the choices I'm making. Um, But I, I think, you know, for me, the, the big thing was to learn the information, listen to what I, how I felt when I kind of followed certain patterns of eating, um, and decide, you know, what felt right to me. And I know it seems kind of vague to, to answer in that way, but I have had to work on kind of rejecting like the, the culture I've deleted a lot of things off social media because I was seeing all of these like before and after and eat less carbs, intermittent fast. And for me, that was actually really driving kind of a disordered relationship with food. So for me, I have to have, I have to be more gentle with myself. And I, I think that was really, that, that is another piece of it. I think that's hard for a lot of people is kind of being kind to yourself about what you're feeling and what you're dealing with as you're going through it. Um, so for me, that was a big, a big part of it was just rejecting and kind of putting up a boundary and not looking at it so often and finding people who I felt were much more um, supportive of some flexibility in terms of, you know, what, what our bodies are supposed to look like, what our meals are supposed to look like and not so restrictive, um, but also finding some kindness for myself and, and love for myself and respect for myself. I think that those were the really big pieces for me that I really had to to work on. So for me, I think that's what it still looks like is um, just kind of remembering to kind of project any negative, shaming, guilty thoughts that I have about food or myself. Yeah, yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I, I feel like, you know, we, we talk about this a lot here at Sage, but you know how the root cause of wellness in a way is kind of realizing the connection between all things, all beings, and how really it's about it's about love in all its manifestations one of those aspects of love is food right we know that mm-hmm. you know food is very imbued with the spirit of you know the earth is kind of giving us this abundance this you know i think i heard the other day like what's it, a punch um, a mama right or something it's sort of like this idea of this earth is very bountiful and giving us through creation like all this abundance and we're we're taking that in as nourishment and, and then we have kind of the science side, which can be very helpful in certain areas, but then sometimes that we can overanalyze things and we can become, you know, in, in a situation where there's uh, paralysis by analysis, by overanalysis of that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think even as practitioners, we're trained to overanalyze sometimes things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're doing, I think overanalyzing or analyzing and when it, it's a little when you're you're helping somebody else with it it's very different than when you're trying to do it for yourself um because you can kind of separate a little bit from the emotions um and be a little more objective when you're you're helping someone else but when you're trying to do it yourself and you're teasing out emotions plus that objective data it's it's really hard to to see so i think even in that like finding somebody who can guide you as a practitioner even though you know what you need to do sometimes you need someone to tell you how to do it it, it can be really helpful to to get the help as a practitioner from someone else 
I definitely need help with that. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm, I do. <laughs> I'm, all, all, I'm very grateful for our team here um, helping helping out for uh, nutrition or intuitive eating in general. Um, I guess um, we should talk about some of the some of the concluding things. Like, um, what kind of resources can you recommend for for people to learn more about intuitive eating, especially if they're facing challenges, which, you know, are going to inevitably come up. There's going to be some roadblocks or challenges as people try to intuitively eat. What kind of resources would you recommend people to uh, learn more and to kind of stay on this path a bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <clears throat> um, so uh, the, 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 the RDs who created intuitive eating, the whole framework and, and kind of put it out there, um, they wrote a book called Intuitive Eating. Um, so you can you can get that. It has a lot of great information. And their most recent um, version actually has some, some summaries of um, studies that have been done using intuitive eating and this, how successful it can be and helping helping people reach their goals. So that's one, you know, that's kind of the, the starting point, I think. They've also created some workbooks. So they have a workbook for adults and they have a workbook for teenagers. And so they walk through each of the different principles with different exercises that you can do. Um, so just kind of in, at the, the starting point, those would be what I'd recommend. Um, and there's also they on their website they have a like a support group. It's free to join, but it's just kind of if you feel stuck, it's getting um, you know you can you can get in with the community there um, and and just really talk about what your successes are, what your struggles are, and really have that kind of um, feeling of support that you're not alone as you're working through it. Um, and, and I think those are some good places to start because you're kind of going to the the source the the fountain of knowledge there. So um, those would be ideally, I think, where you can start. Yeah. Great. I love how simple the title is and how intuitive that title is. Intuitive yeah. eating, of course, <laughs> that would make sense as their book title. Great. Thank you so much, Holly. And mm-hmm. uh, we have a closing question for you uh, before we get into kind of how to get in contact with you. Thank you so much for being on today for round two mm-hmm. of a uh, podcast episode. Um, this has been so amazing. Uh, talking about intuitive eating. And I know that um, I definitely will be looking at food a bit differently after today um, in a good way, especially since the holidays are coming up. What is one thing under $20 though that you feel has transformed your health? So something that is very affordable for people, that's accessible, that's practical, that you've kind of felt has made an outsized, you know, um, game-changing effect on, on your personal health? Yeah, well, for for me, I had a couple of things come to mind with with this with this question. Like the the very initial um, reason that I got into nutrition and really kind of started changing how I thought about health and wellness was Michael Pollan's book In Defense of Food, where he kind of sets out these relatively simple rules, but it's a lot more complex than it sounds like. Where I think he said eat food, mostly plants, not too much. And that kind of opening just kind of drew me in and it really changed how I looked at food and how I was treating my body and whether it was stress or, you know, how food um, connected us to people, connected us to the earth and how this, our choices could affect the earth and and society in general. So that was a big um, starting point for me. And the other one is, it might might sound kind of silly, but magnesium. (laughs) Magnesium has been incredible for me. Um, It's helped me get better rest, which is huge. It's so foundational to to health, but I tend to be a, a more anxious person. So it's really helped me to tame that. And I think because it's, you know, it's, 
kind of tricky to get it from food because of farming practices. I think I, I really need that as a, a support for me. So it really has changed how I'm able to show up in my life, um, which is, is huge for me. Great. So Michael Pollan in defensive food and magnesium uh, supplementation, <laughs> which you can also get from Epsom salt baths too. That's another mm -hmm. way, uh, but Absolutely. big fan of magnesium. Thank you, Holly. And Holly, thank you so much for coming on again today. How can listeners learn more about you and work with you here at, at yeah. CIH? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, you can find my bio on the Capital Integrative Health website at cihealth.org. Um, and you can use the phone number there if you'd like to work with me um, uh, to call and make an appointment. Great. Thank you, Holly. Hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday season or intuitive eating uh, meal, depending on when you're listening to this. And hope everyone out there is enjoying their food and really deeply connecting. Thank you so much again, Holly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us. 